0: Welcome to Stories with Shrinks, a podcast where we over-psychoanalyze your favorite characters from movies, TV, and media. I'm Tyler, he, his, him.
1: I'm Jennifer, she, her, hers.
0: And today we're talking about Shit's Creek. Yeah, we I, are. My favorite TV show of 2020, and by that I mean show that I started watching in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and binged watched in a weekend, and is so very good, and so very funny. And so wonderful. And here we are. I did
1: the same thing. Um, Tyler was like, Jen, watch this. And I'm like, okay. And I binge watched majority of it and within a couple weekends.
0: Oh, it's so good. It's just so good. It's my favorite. It's probably my favorite modern comedy TV show.
1: Absolutely. It's right I now my go to there. for re watching. Like I go back to this one and just re watch episodes. Yeah.
0: It's very good. Uh, but before we get into clients and things, I do have a get to know you question related to this show. Okay. My question for you is what is your favorite reoccurring joke or quote from Schitt's Creek and why?
1: I was not expecting this. I, know. I don't know what question I was expecting from Schitt's Creek, but not this one.
0: While you're thinking, so anyone who's unfamiliar, Schitt's Creek has a lot of jokes that happen over and over and over again. And sometimes they're really small, subtle ones. And sometimes they're really huge, very in your face, but they're very funny if you're able to pay attention. To them.
1: So like first instinct was you, David.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, David's a good one.
1: And also, and I think it's only once but it could be. I just, I love the, um, the yogurt scene.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. We can do that too. And also your favorite scene from the show. Um, Oh, um, the yogurt scene is very funny.
1: My favorite scene from the show um, is probably two folds of Patrick singing at the open mic and, or, which ironically is, You'll see why later this is funny. Yeah. Uh, Stevie, Stevie singing um, at the cabaret, at cabaret are probably my two favorite scenes. I, there's, those, I would say those are my, my first instinct favorite kind of running things.
0: Yeah, for me, my favorite reoccurring joke is um, between uh, David and Stevie when they talk overly formal with each other. Mm-hmm. so uh the one that's the the easiest example is the oh well best wishes to you oh warmest regards and it's like this very sarcastic mm-hmm. over formality with each other because they're like best friends and it's it, it it's it makes me very happy and yeah so that's my favorite running joke is just them being sarcastic towards each other yes <laughs> um my favorite scene in the show i have one but it, it's it's super spoilery and i'm not going to get into it because uh, it's oh. from the last season it you know i like normally i'm like yeah let's spoil things on here but it's from the last season and if you haven't seen this show go watch it Mm -hmm. um just go watch it i won't spoil anything from the last season because it's a lot of people are
1: still watching this for the first time it really is like that diamond in the rough show that people didn't get to know until the last season and then it was like whoa this show is ending and i just discovered it
0: yeah, so I won't spoil the. My favorite scene in the whole show is in the last season. Um, since you've seen it, Jen, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's when uh, two characters are sitting on a car.
1: Yes, yeah. That's
0: my favorite scene in the whole show. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I have to choose something that's not from the last season, uh, the cabaret episode is my favorite episode of the entire mm-hmm. show. Everything in that episode is—it's just so good, magnificent, and wonderful, and so well written.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and while we're talking about quotable things from the show um, honorable mention to everything Catherine O'Hara says Yes, every <laughs> single thing that Catherine O'Hara says is iconic and wonderful and beautiful and hilarious um, there's not one thing I can put for like a quote of like what's my favorite Moira quote no idea because D- they're all, all, the all above. really good I do know that my family ends up quoting um, the Bebe a lot we, mm-hmm. we, call, we call my dog Rory Bebe And so that is that. I think is
1: this is specifically topical to today. The Golden Globe nominations came out today, Mm -hmm. as we are recording, and um, she and uh,
0: it was the roses. The whole roses. I think it was before that. Yeah, not Alexis.
1: But then the show, yeah, the show and the three of them got nominated for their roles. Um, But I hope she gets it aside from like, yes, it's their last season and they're stereotypically your last season. You tend to get the recognition, but her last season it was, so very, good. Very good. it was so good. Very, It was so good.
0: I just want them to take the victory lap. I think they yes, deserve it for absolutely. for putting out 6 seasons of excellent TV mm-hmm. comedy. They deserve And the
1: ending on level. the high and not letting mm-hmm. it kind of fall apart that some shows you see go too far and they lose that original arc. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's that's us just gushing about Schitt's Creek for, mm-hmm. you know, 15 20 minutes but that's <laughs> cool. um so to totally change the subject then mm-hmm. I do believe Miss Jen, you have a new client.
1: I do have a new client this week. Um, so I've taken up shop in Schitt's Creek. Um, you know, even small towns need therapists. Um, and the reason I, I specifically wanted to take off take up shop in Schitt's Creek and not necessarily Elmsdale is I really like the idea of being the small town therapist. And kind of thinking about like the ethical dynamics of being the therapist that literally everyone knows who you are. um, Mm -hmm. Because that is something that people who work in small towns ethically have to deal with. When you go to the grocery store as a therapist, we are not supposed to kind of recognize our clients and kind of leave that confidentiality even out in public. But when you work in a small town and You live in a small town, that's something you kind of have to face daily. So I liked, even if it's just a thought question, I liked kind of that idea. But my client's name is Patrick, Patrick Brewer. Um, He is male, cisgender, gay, and expresses male. He's in his mid-30s, and he's coming in for counseling to process his relationship history and his current friendship dynamics with a gentleman that he just met, exploring sexuality sexual identity sexual orientation and exploring concepts of self-worth and communication of feelings um so a little background on patrick he moved to schitt's creek when needing to escape his previous life saying that he really just kind of came to a crossroads where he needed to get out of that routine and that um kind of toxic routine in a way of kind of reliving the same pattern over and over again and not being happy and wanting to really just start anew somewhere else Um, he is renting a room from a gentleman named ray and he works for him as well as a professional assistant specifically working with businesses helping people start businesses getting all the paperwork done and getting all the legal licensing done for businesses in the town And again, he came into therapy when he first moved into the town to process his previous relationship. He's coming off of a long-term, off-and-on, again, relationship with his ex-girlfriend, Rachel. They have been in a relationship dynamic of boyfriend and girlfriend and as fiancés, off-and-on, and described the relationship as we were classic high school sweethearts and we kind of fell into that pattern of staying together, breaking up, And then coming back together because it was easy and kind of both kind of bringing each other back into the relationship. Though he reported that near the end, it was her that was really kind of pulling at the relationship to get back together. He did report, though, that something always felt off. He didn't quite feel right, didn't really feel like he was truly being himself, especially near the end of the relationship. And it never really felt genuine to him in his role in the relationship. And this particularly kind of caused a stirring of feelings when he met David, when he came into the shop to get a business license to open up a store in the general store that fell under. Because he notices something different about David. He notices his reactions around David are different. And his feelings about himself and about David are new and something that He's never had really the freedom to explore before. And um, they're scary. And he doesn't know what they mean. So, this is when we would start exploring his sexual identity, his sexual orientation. And really just start asking some basic questions of what does it mean to be attracted to someone? What are we supposed to feel when we're attracted to someone? Not only as a friend, but as a romantic partner. And talk about that difference. Um, What does it mean to be attracted platonically versus romantically, aromantically? And really start to just give him the freedom to explore all these different dynamics. Also in a way that's not pressuring to... Instantly put a label on things. Really just give him a space to talk freely about what feelings are coming up and not let him know that, like, you don't have to have a feeling and then instantly put a label on what it means to you. But really, you just get to explore what these feelings are in yourself, how they present in your body, what they mean in your previous idea of self, and what they could mean in a future idea of self. So again, what does it mean to be attracted to someone? What it means to be attracted to someone as the same perceived gender identity slash expression. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, I want to make the note that in the show, David comes out to Stevie, and that's probably one of the most direct conversations in the show about his sexuality. Um, There's conversations with his dad about it kind of after the fact, but it's the first time it's kind of really blatantly talked about um and um it's in a way of pansexuality bisexuality where he's attracted to wine white rind red wine he just likes wine (laughs) um
0: so but he once I, i love that scene it's
1: fantastic and so i wanted to make the clear point of we don't really know how david directly identifies when it comes to gender identity, and I didn't want to place a label on that. But we know that from the show, he expresses in a way that is more leaning male. Um, He is very fluid in his outfits and very comfortable in the way he expresses himself. But what does that mean for Patrick's sake of looking at someone who is on surface level expressing male, versus what it meant maybe a year ago when you were engaged to a girl and kind of battling those feelings at the time and now having feelings towards someone who you may not have been open about those feelings to a year ago. And then later exploring what it means to him personally and how he may then choose to identify with these new feelings. And if a label that he picks, whatever quote-unquote label that works for him what it means to him and how those feelings may link to that. So talking about like, well, what does it mean to be gay? What does it mean to be in the LGBTQ spectrum? what are some of these terms even meaning it can be very overwhelming when you're first exploring your gender identity gender expression sexual identity because sometimes it's just like a wave of terms that we're supposed to know right away and understand what they mean and understand what they mean for us and does it just do i pick a term and just make it fit for me or should i try to make myself fit for who i am and i would really just want to slow down that process for him of like these are what some of these terms mean on the surface level but they also can grow and adapt to what you feel Um, when and anytime I'm working with someone in the LGBTQ community I talk about well what does that quote-unquote term or label mean to you Um, what does it mean for you to identify this way because it is a very personal relationship with how you identify yourself so while exploring these questions, we'd also just be exploring general messages and stereotypes that come up for him in this process. Um, what was his childhood like growing up? What are family messages? Uh, he talks throughout the show about how his family was very accepting within the LGBTQ community, but he's afraid of what it means to have a son in the LGBTQ community. And will his parents be accepting of that? Um and what are just his own general messages regarding self-worth and self-esteem. It may not be linked to his sexual identity and orientation, his self-worth and self-esteem messages. They might just parallel each other. They might cross throughout certain points of his development and really just giving him a space to explore his own self-worth and his self-esteem in this process. So then throughout this time together, Patrick starts to really want to explore these feelings more with David and comes up with the idea of taking David out for his birthday. And then this really brings up one of the other goals that we want to talk about in therapy, which is communication of feelings. So when he's talking about asking David out for his birthday, I'd want to have a conversation of what exactly are you asking, right? Are we hanging out as friends? And this is just a way for you to then maybe explore and lean into these feelings more, which is fine. Are we hanging out as coworkers? Cause at this point in their timeline, they are working together. They are co business owners together and kind of exploring like what it could mean for him and being able to, at the very least communicate to himself what his intentions are with asking david out for his birthday and that intentions can change and that they can grow in the moment but at least let's start to openly communicate our feelings to ourselves so then we can also openly communicate feelings with others and not have passive communication and really talk about how throughout his life especially you can see this in his previous relationship with rachel he struggles with communicating I know it technically happens later in the show, but there is an example where Rachel shows up and is like, we never actually had a conversation about breaking up permanently. Like you just kind of disappeared and really helping him be able to talk directly about those big feelings. He talks about being very confident and being very secure with himself in so many different parts, but then struggles when it comes to feelings and that communication of deeper feelings. So we would really want to start to notice patterns of passive communication. And we can do that first by exploring communication within his family, his learned communication history, how communicating worked in his previous relationships, how those have helped to find how he communicates within himself, so then later we can communicate with David how we feel about him. And this is again like an ongoing process and it would be exciting to see where they end up together. And another interesting part of working in a small town is you, you I would be able to actually see them every so often in the town. Um, And then also making sure that I keep my biases in check of maybe not wanting to be like, but you guys are cute together and up together, right? No, like, this is me and this is his life. And even though I see things happening in the town, or I maybe hear whispers in the town in the diner or at the apothecary um, within the town council, to keep that as personal and then within business, what happens in our four walls, that's the therapeutic relationship. And this is the information you're bringing to me. And then that is separate than the information that is happening in town. <laughs> and really, I feel like that's when like, consultations with other therapists are so helpful when you work in a very like, small town environment to have another therapist you can talk about these dynamics with. And that is what's going on with Patrick. He's really coming in for more self-growth and self-esteem and self-identity work, which is a fun client to have because it's so much freedom in how you approach therapy there because you get to really explore different types of interventions or dynamics to really help him explore himself.
0: That's Patrick. Thank you. That was great. And so, you know the question. Everybody's asking it. Come on, audience, everybody all together. Why'd you pick Patrick? Because I love him. He's
1: the best character ever.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love
1: Patrick. You're not wrong. (laughs) He is so genuine with letting himself love again. Mm -hmm. And to lean into feelings and to explore feelings and not be shy about them. I think it takes a lot of bravery for what Patrick does in that short amount of time to fall for friend and business partner and to be willing to lean into that in such a dramatic way in the sense that not only are you falling for someone, but you're falling for someone who makes you question your own history of who I like Mm -hmm. (laughs) and how I identify. And I think it's really amazing. And then seeing how, how much of like a hopeless romantic he also kind of is like he's very business and yet like the way he serenades pat uh david is so beautiful and i love those types of romantic gestures because i tend to be very more like ha 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 business and then like but i also am like that would be amazing and oh it's just so beautiful and doing more of the actor end of it when he did sing I was like wow he's a good singer I wonder if he like sings professionally he does and now I own all his music and I listen to it all the time (laughs) so I don't know I just I really I like his character arc and his growth and it's really hopeful which I liked.
0: awesome well thank you so much and thank you all for listening and we will be right back after this short message from our sponsors (laughs) and we'll see you right back in just a second
1: Hey y'all, this is Jennifer. We wanted to reach out and let you all know that we are on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stories with Shrinks and on Twitter, Shrink Stories. We post before episodes, little sneak peeks about what we're talking about and trying to engage more with our community about the topic. You can find that and join the story with us online. Welcome back to Stories with Shrinks, where we are talking about Schitt's Creek and we are exploring the characters from this beloved town. And Tyler, I do believe you have a new client.
0: I do have a new client. And it's so nice that we opened up this group practice in Schitt's Creek. <laughs> it's really it's really nice that we're working together here. It, it seems like two therapists is a lot for a small town like this, but... But you have know, you
1: seen this town? They really yeah, do need it.
0: <laughs> they really do. Yes, yeah, so I have a new client here. My client's name is Stevie. Uh, Stevie is in her 30s. We don't get really an accurate uh, Mm -hmm. age for her. She's in her 30s. Um, She's a cisgender woman, heterosexual, currently living alone in a small apartment and works at the front desk of a motel as the clerk. Uh, Recently actually became the owner, but she still works the front desk. And Stevie is coming in, describing that she's having some issues with relationship stuff was kind of all she told me over the phone. And she seemed pretty short and unemotional over the phone, which for me is kind of a, a code of this person's holding back stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when she came in for her first session with me, we started talking about, like, what's this relationship stuff you want to work on? And she started talking about a relationship she was recently in with a motel reviewer who she grew close with. And thought that she was going to have a deep, meaningful relationship with. And he told her that he did not see things being serious with her. She reported that this is not the first time that this has happened to her. Where she's wanted to be in a relationship with someone and it just didn't work out. This actually isn't even the first time in the last couple of years that this has happened for her. So she started getting a little bit emotional talking about this stuff and being more open and vulnerable about this with me as we started digging into what's going on here and what, what, you know, what are the thoughts, which is always my first thing. What are the messages you're getting about this rejection? Because that's what this is. It's a rejection of who she is and she's perceiving it as she's the problem. So what are the thoughts? And uh, this is, I wrote these, how like a client would normally say, uh, Mm -hmm. which is like, instead of saying, I think this, most people say, I feel like, because, that is how we talk as Americans. But if you notice when we're saying, I feel like, when you say the word like, it usually means it's a thought. Uh, Because if you say, I feel, you know, I feel happy, I feel sad. But as soon as you say something like, I feel like she was being really mean to me, that's a thought, not a feeling. And so the way that I wrote down how she's viewing these relationship issues are, I feel like I can't keep a relationship together. I feel like I'm the problem. And I feel like I keep trying and trying to show people who I am and getting rejected. And the way we would work through that together is processing those thoughts and empowering her, really telling her like, this dude's hangups with commitment are not your problem Maybe it's that you're, for lack of a better term, your picker might be broken a little bit, that you're the people you choose to try and partner with, maybe there's something there where you're getting caught up in a self-sabotaging loop or something you haven't been shown what a healthy relationship looks like. I don't know. We haven't really talked long enough for me to really know that. But we would go through, process these thoughts, process these feelings, and really start to develop a more empowered narrative for Stevie and moving toward... Having her feel like she knows who she is, she's confident, she can move through her life with confidence, whether she's with a partner or not with a partner, and working through that way. And that's where I'm going to leave the Stevie stuff for this one. What I want to do instead is talk about me for a little bit, uh, if you'll indulge me. But really what I want to talk about is countertransference. Because we haven't talked about that a whole lot here, beyond like Mm -hmm. our own biases and things. We haven't really talked about countertransference as a topic. So that's what I brought this in for. And I brought it in for two reasons. There are two major things happening with Stevie that would lead to countertransference for me. The first one is just normal run of the mill what you would have for counter transference from any mm-hmm. client, which is she's going through these dating issues, these feelings of being rejected, these feelings of people don't understand me, I'm the problem. And for me personally, as the therapist, that is going to bring up stuff for me. I know it will, uh, I, for, you know, just to self-disclose, cause I would tell a client this anyway, I'm single. I'm not seeing anyone right now. It is emotional. And when you are dating it in getting rejected, it mm-hmm. feels bad, especially when you feel like the thing is going to go further and then it doesn't. Like I have been where she's been. I've even had these thoughts of like, well, I'm the problem then, or, I keep trying and I keep getting rejected, which again leads back into the, then I must be wrong. I must Mm -hmm. be broken. And I don't have those thoughts currently, but I have had those thoughts before. And it's really easy for a client to put you into a mind state that you were in, you know, years and years ago, if they just say the right things. And so with the things that she's bringing up, this is going to trigger me a little bit. So with just normal counter, run of the mill counter transference, what what happens just from being a therapist, the way that I handle this, and this is everybody's a little bit different, but the way that I handle it is I have this little, what I call like an observing self. It's like watching myself do therapy with a third person camera, like playing a video game. And that little observing self has this little constant tick on what am I thinking right now? What am I feeling right now? And if it's something like, you know, oh, I felt that way before, and oh, no, I'm starting to really feel that again. That observing self can go, okay, that's yours. Put it in a box and we'll open that up as soon as we're done here. When we're done seeing clients for today or when when we're done with this session, depending on how scheduling is. But put that away. You're going to get to that later. And by later, I mean same day. I'm not talking about putting it away for weeks and weeks at a time. But we'll come back to that later. That's for your journal tonight. That's for your own personal therapy. We'll come back. We'll come back. And that's how I do that. I, I, and I do. I, when I'm done with sessions and I've had something that's been extremely triggering or something that has just really gotten me flustered and all kind of messed up, I will journal. I will meditate. I will go to my own therapy. That's just normal dealing with stuff in the field. And that's why we're so adamant about clinicians getting their own therapy and clinicians getting their own help. So you have these tools when this stuff comes up the second kind of counter-transference I want to talk about. This is the one that doesn't happen as often, at least for me, but it would happen with this character. (laughs) And I'm giggling because it's attraction Mm counter-transference. Me, Tyler, as a human finds the actress, Emily Hampshire, extremely attractive uh, (laughs) because she is, she's gorgeous. And me, Tyler, as the therapist, if Stevie came in, I would feel attracted to Stevie as a character. Mm -hmm. Um, I, there are a lot of similarities between Stevie and I, and I find her personality very charming. As a therapist though, what do you do with that information? Mm -hmm. That's all it is. And I, and I talk about this a lot. I know this is probably the third or fourth time I've said this on this podcast, being attracted to someone is just information about them. Mm -hmm. And on a very base level, it's just their genetics are different than mine. But if she came in and was working with me, I would have those reactions. I I know just from having watched the show that that's how I would feel. And so then this became what I wanted to talk about tonight or, or tonight, this episode, this time. It's tonight is, for us. Yeah, it's tonight <laughs> for us. We, re- we record at night. Ooh, peek behind the curtain. What I wanted to talk about is what do you do when that happens? Because this is a big ethical problem for a lot of therapists where... Rule number one is don't sleep with your clients. Yes. Um,
1: I can actually kind of speak to that question.
0: I know you can. I know you can. I want to do, we'll get to that. We will get (laughs) to that because I know you can. (laughs) I want to do just a very brief overview and then we can talk about your experience because I know you have experience with this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Interestingly enough, I don't have experience with this in real life, but this would be a client where I would. Mm -hmm. So basically best practice, you have attraction to, a client that you're talking to you're here to help them you're the therapist and you're like oh crap i'm attracted to them you step one you don't do what every single therapist in every movie and tv does which pisses me off beyond all end which is sleep with your client you don't do it
1: don't pull a sopranos spoiler don't do it
0: <laughs> sopranos how i met your mother uh blind spot is another show that did that like like any show that does that i immediately get so angry i stop watching the episode
1: or that you know what we instantly have to terminate therapy and i'm gonna sleep with you that did not make it any better
0: (laughs) that also doesn't work in the state of california you would you would lose your license for terminating to sleep with a client or sleeping with a client just period Mm -hmm. um there's very specific rules we're not going to go into those rules because really the rule should be don't sleep with your your clients ever period end of sentence end of sentence (laughs) but regardless let's say you're having feelings of attraction what do you do to keep that ethical boundary up so that way you can be the best provider for them. Mm -hmm. So it's a kind of a three-step process here. Step number one, consult or get supervision, depending on the level you're at. So if you're an associate or a trainee, go to supervision. Like Mm -hmm. I said, when I started this conversation, I giggled because this is something that's uncomfortable to share with people. It's something that's vulnerable. And that's what consultation and supervision are for, is to talk about this stuff. Because if you just let it sit in your head and bounce around inside your head and you don't talk about it ever and you don't acknowledge it ever, you're more likely to act on that feeling because it's just sitting there bouncing around wanting to do something. So that's step one, consult or go to supervision, talk to somebody about it. Just be like, hey, I've got this client and this thing is happening where I'm feeling really attracted to them. Next step, you consult, you feel like you're in a good space, client comes in the next week all of a sudden you feel like you're flirting with the client again it's not working super hot your boundaries aren't great what's the next step next step go to your own therapy get your work get your own work done go process this in an environment where it's safe one-on-one where you can talk to somebody and say i'm having this problem specifically and this is what i want to talk about there are therapists out there who specify in working with other therapists um, and you can find a few of them out there. They're super fun. I've talked to a couple. It's a really interesting niche um, and they love the work that they do. Find someone, talk to them, get the supervision, get the consultation, get your own therapy done so you can uphold that boundary. Last, and this is, this is the last ditch effort totally. You get your own work done, you've consulted, you've done all this other stuff and you still feel like you can't uphold the boundary. You terminate with that client and you terminate uh, any sort of contact with that client. And by terminate, I mean, you don't just kick them out of your office and say, never come back, never see me again. But you talk to them, you say like, hey, just so you know, this therapeutic relationship thing, it has to work for both of us for this to work. And it's not working for me. I'm not going to leave you high and dry. We can have this many sessions to close things up. And I'm going to refer you to other people, people that I trust, people that I know you can build another connection with. And then you don't contact the client again and you uphold that boundary instead. So that's my big stern talking. To- I mm-hmm. feel like I was really kind of stern. You're like, this um, is what we do. But I mean, this is, it is what you do.
1: It is surprising how many times. So like there's a magazine that we can receive that has the oh no codes. that like, oh mm-hmm. no, you got busted um, in the back of it. And so often the number one rule is broken and it should be obvious. Just don't. Um, And as I I mentioned earlier, like I can speak to this um, because I have noticed the attractiveness of a client before um, because I'm human and the client was attractive (laughs) and I instantly brought it up in supervision. And it was more even allowing me to have the permission to talk about it as a human looking at from across another human. Um, which just instantly helped, and we were able to kind of make some jokes about it, of like, yeah. ha ha ha. But then we talked about like why it was important to talk about, um, and that's as far as it ever went. And now it's kind of still the running joke of like, huh, look, this is Jen's hot client? Um, but it was almost freeing to allow yourself to be human. And to say that, like, this person is physically attractive. And then I can say, like, in session with them, you know, the same way as, like, you have that part of you that says, like, what is this? What's going on? What are these feelings? What's coming up for you right now? Very similarly for me, it's like, okay, this is me. And that is them. And I can kind of put my stuff aside for right now. Check in with myself when needed if I do like a little like almost self-comfort of like I'm noticing I'm having feelings right now like I might rub my palm I might just like rub my leg I'm just saying like hey I see you I'm not going to ignore you I'm just we're going to take some time later and talk about this um and I think it works the same way when you're attracted to a client in that way of like hey I'm noticing I'm having these attraction feelings and then later think to myself like what was it about like was it just that like the symmetrical body was just nice to look at (laughs) or like, Oh, you know what this person, um, and I'm going to be very vague for ethical reasons, but this person comes from a higher education background. That's a value that I have. Um, This person respects similar values of mine. Cool. It would make sense that because Mm -hmm. certain things align, I would be like, this person's cool, but I also spe- think it speaks to the idea of when you find a client that you would be friends with as well, because that's also a no go. We're not supposed to be friends with our clients. And I have sat across from a lot of people and go, we would be cool friends, like you would be cool to hang out with. And that's as far as it
0: goes. Yeah. And, and... I've even given clients that feedback before. I'm like, yeah, you you're a good hang. I enjoy yes. talking to you each week. Mm-hmm. And That's where that ends. (laughs) Right. And
1: then how can we help you find people in your life that you can have intimate conversations with and feel comfortable and have feeling like you can have a conversation with someone about feelings and give them the tools to find people in their lives that they can have relationships like a therapeutic relationship in a healthy way. and. Being able to say, like, oh, well, that makes sense why I'm attracted to this person. And those are all things that are normal to be attracted to, in a sense. And give yourself, like, compassion for being human in the room. And then I think because you give it a space, you give yourself permission to talk about it and not hide it. You also then just to get to know your client in those weeks. And then you're like, no, this is my client and that's it. <laughs> yeah, But I think that, like you said, like you have to talk about it because when you don't talk about it, that's when it, you're instantly becoming shady in a way. Yes. When you're not willing to you're
0: admit. hiding it.
1: Right. Um,
0: and, and that's where we see issues come up for people. You were saying like, we, we get the no-no list every mm-hmm. month uh, and, it's, and it's public. It's got your name. It's got your location. Like if it's, if it's someone you went to school with, you know. But, you know, all that to say, what happens with clinicians, especially, is that you get into private practice, you've gotten your license, you're no longer in supervision, you're not surrounded by people to talk to all the time. Yeah, you're isolated. Mm -hmm. And you start to lose track of what is okay Mm -hmm. because you don't have anyone you can check in with and say, like, okay, I did this thing. Is this still therapy? Which Mm -hmm. I question all the time because I'm very open about trying new things with clients and, like, Like, this week I played Animal Crossing with a client for 50 minutes. I I try things all the time and just kind of go, was that therapy? Mm -hmm. And then you start realizing that anything can be therapeutic. Not necessarily anything, anything. But Mm -hmm. anything that is healing, that makes the client feel connected to you, that allows them to be themselves and be open and be ready to go, like, that is therapy.
1: Which I think speaks to the need of having a good consultation group or having mm-hmm. a really good supervisor you can trust early on. And I know sometimes we're stuck with a supervisor. Like we get in a practicum site and you're kind of stuck with who they provide you with. Yes. And then as you go and explore more after graduation or even sometimes within a super practicum site, you might have an op- option to rotate supervisors. Mm-hmm. Um, within my practicum site, I've had five different supervisors solely for scheduling issues but I've loved it because I've gotten five different perspectives on stuff but then also the supervisor I have now I feel comfortable to say like hey I think I'm noticing me protecting my client can Mm -hmm. we talk about this or hey I think I'm noticing um that I'm getting a little too friendly in the sense of we're chit-chatting more than therapy can we talk about what's coming up for me and having that freedom to talk as humans and as therapists,
0: yeah, yeah, and don't just don't isolate yourself. Mm-hmm. Have have options out there to talk to people. Um, and if you can't find a consultation group, go and get personal therapy. Mm-hmm. That's the other option. Um, and that option confidentiality. is confidentiality. So... Yeah. And so, yeah, that like again, it feels like we're kind of lecturing in this one a little bit, but it's more so just to to remember that. And uh, I'm going to quote the brochure that's in everybody's, uh, everybody's waiting room. Good therapy doesn't include sex. Right. Um, Going back to what I was saying, like everything is therapeutic. Sexual things are not therapeutic Mm -hmm. Um, for a lot of people. They're actually really triggering. And for even other people, you know, it's, it's a power imbalance. So you Mm -hmm. always are going to have, like, I try my best to keep things on an even level with clients. Like, I have my expertise. You you know your life. Like, that's how we balance that You're out. You're the
1: expert of your life. I happen to have tools that could help you. Exactly. Guide that life a little easier. Exactly.
0: But even with that, there's still a power dynamic. They mm-hmm. pay me every week, yeah. they give me money. And, and
1: to tie it back to Schitt's Creek, I think if you are a therapist in a small town like Schitt's Creek, it would be even more important to have consultation because I would be shopping at Rose Apothecary. Mm hmm. Um, I would because be it's the general store in town eating you at have the choice. one diner. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: where you would see your clients and you would overhear that argument and you would overhear that child yelling, or you would overhear things that might be getting talked about in therapy the next day, or yeah. even just like who are you friends with in town now? And making sure that you have a network of people that you can connect to so that yeah. you feel safe enough to do therapy in a small town.
0: Yeah. And, and therapy in a small town is a very interesting thing. It's very unique. Um, sure. We have rules and ethical guidelines around, adult, around dual relationships, meaning if they're your client, they can't be anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're in a small town, that's almost impossible. And at least in California, that is accounted for. Mm-hmm. Like there, you, you know that there will be some level of dual relationship, but it's up to you as the clinician to keep boundaries up so that it doesn't mm-hmm. become a personal relationship and it stays professional
1: and I think Um, to keep good boundaries you have to recognize being human
0: and you have to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. um which if you take anything from everything we just said because I think we just got very very like you know um jargony and (laughs) very within the field about this conversation but this is the conversation I wanted to have Mm -hmm. um if you take anything from this It's to know that people make mistakes when they're burnt out. Mm -hmm. People make mistakes when they're not taking care of themselves. And And people make mistakes when they're not talking to other people. Mm -hmm. So if you're not a clinician and you're listening to this, this is a a, a helpful thing to say. If you feel like you're not making the best choices you could make in your life, start taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. so that you can. Um, And it starts with just even small things like, you know, eating more balanced and sleeping right mm-hmm. taking time to do some mindfulness um spending time with friends on a video call whatever it's going to be but take care of yourself and i think that's where we'll end my talk on stevie for yes. tonight which ended up just being a talk about me so ha tricked <laughs> you fooled you
1: fooled us yes um so i'm not going to ask you why stevie then but um well, well, i've
0: got another answer besides oh, okay so so i wanted to have the conversation about countertransference. uh And Stevie's my favorite character in the show, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: by far. Uh, Stevie's the character I relate to the most. Stevie's the kind of the, and is sort of the audience surrogate character for most Mm -hmm. of the show, where all this crazy stuff is happening with this family and she's there watching it happen. Mm -hmm. I I just, and yeah, I just enjoy Stevie as a character. So that's also why. It's Mm -hmm. not just because I wanted to talk about how gorgeous Emily Hampshire (laughs) is, uh, which she is, but Mm -hmm. it it was also because Stevie's my favorite character in the show.
1: Mm -hmm. She is, it's so good. The whole show is just so good. But again, just that idea, and you kind of see it in the town where even with all that they were connected to, you saw how often the roses were isolated and alone and moving to that small town and really having to make that choice to socialize, to find connection, to find purpose, and to keep busy, um, to help themselves, to help themselves grow And to not continue to isolate themselves when they're at their lowest.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: So, and I think we can all learn that
0: lesson right now. Yeah. Yeah. We can all use that lesson. Yeah. I think that's it for us for this week. Take care, everyone. Bye, y'all. Stories with Strengths is an entertainment and education podcast. Our views are our own and should not be considered canon or associated with any of the media or universes we discuss. And thank you to Purple Planet Music for our theme song, Phoenix Rising. You can find music for all your podcasting or YouTube needs at www.purple-planet.com.